everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to be talking about how to become a discerning woman, no matter what age or season of life you're in. Have you ever felt bombarded by all of the confusing and contradictory thoughts and ideas that come at us in modern Christianity? I know I have. One minute we're hearing about the importance of prayer and holy living, and the next we're being told that we should just focus on receiving God's love and not change anything about our daily lives. One minute we're told that Jesus is the only way to the Father, and the next we're hearing that Buddhists, Muslims, and Hindus can also find God through their religions. We live in a postmodern world where truth and lies so often coexist together, and the subtle lies that are out there are often glamorized or spiritualized to the point where it's hard to know really what's true and what's not. And so the question is, how can we have discernment in such a time as this? There are a few key scriptures that I would like to start with. One is from Acts 20, 28, and it's towards the end of Paul's ministry, and he's speaking to the believers and warning them. He says, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. That verse really stands out to me because here is Paul, and knowing that it's towards the end of his earthly ministry, is warning the disciples night and day with tears about this danger from among the church. It says, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things with the goal of drawing the disciples away. And so obviously, this was a huge issue even back in Paul's day. And he says that we are to watch and to remember how strongly he warned everyone for three years, night and day with tears. Obviously, this is a very, very serious issue in the church. And then 2 Timothy 3.6 specifically talks about how this issue affects women. He says, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak-minded women weighed down with sins. Captivate here means to lead into captivity. So if we listen and agree with the deceitful voice of the enemy, of the, the twisting and the subtle lies that we are being bombarded with, we can't actually be the bondservants of Jesus Christ because we've become enslaved to a lie. I want to share with you today what I believe is the number one way to keep your feet from turning to the left or the right, to keep that discernment of God always before you, affecting your actions, your beliefs, and your decisions. It's the number one way to keep God's unchanging truth at the center of your thoughts and your life, and that is making God's word your lifeline. Know his word, understand his word, and make sure that your thoughts and ideas and beliefs and decisions agree with his word. These days, it's very easy to treat God's word as more of a casual companion than to make it our lifeline. It is literally meant to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as it says in the Psalms. When God's word is not treated as the highest form of truth in our lives, then we are susceptible to stumbling and going down all sorts of destructive and dangerous rabbit holes in our Christian walk. 
I remember reading the biography of George Mueller, who's one of the great Christians in history. And if you don't know who he is, he's definitely a life worth studying. But he started an orphan ministry in Bristol, England, and just had an incredible, fruitful walk with God. But he was reflecting back on his early days as a believer and talking about how when he first became a Christian, he really wasn't very fruitful in his Christian life. And he said it was because the word of God was not his lifeline. And this is a quote from his autobiography. He said, I fell into the same snare which so many young believers fall, the reading of religious books in preference to the scriptures. My difficulty in understanding the Bible and the little enjoyment I had in it made me careless of reading it. And thus, like many believers, I practically preferred for the first four years of my divine life the works of uninspired men to the oracles of the living God. The consequence was that I remained a babe both in knowledge and in grace. So if you feel that your Christian life is sort of stagnant and not really going anywhere and you're not feeling vibrantly close to Christ, you don't feel his power and his grace working in your life, then consider whether you are truly building your life around his word or whether you're turning to other things, even good things, to replace his word in your life. Christian books and resources definitely have value in a believer's life. But if we allow human thoughts to take the place of God's word, then our ability to discern truth from lies will be hindered. I love what Corey Ten Boom says about this. She said, God's viewpoint is sometimes different from ours, so different that we could not even guess at it unless he had given us a book which tells us such things. I think so often we have this prideful thought that we can figure God out. We understand, you know, how he thinks, how he reasons, sort of like if you look at our culture and you think, well, God is so loving. So of course he understands, you know, this type of a, a walk or a lifestyle and he's going to embrace and love all people. Well, that may sound good to our own human mind, but if you look at what God's word says, it's very clear what he has called people to and what kind of lifestyle he'll judge and what kind of lifestyle uh, leads to life. And so we can just so easily assume that we understand God's heart. When we don't read his word, though, we are often very mistaken. I want to give you some examples of common discernment traps for today's women, because there are some trendy messages out there, and they sound very good. And if you don't know the word of God, you can very easily fall for them. And I'm just going to give you about three examples. There are plenty of other ones out there, but just to show you how important it is to know the word of God and build your life around it. The first one is the trendy message that says it's important to build up your self-esteem and embrace your inner beauty. Now, we've talked about this issue before on this podcast, so I'm not going to go into it very deeply, but I know earlier in my life, I really did believe that the self-esteem message was healthy and right and good, and I felt like you know, if I can just learn to love myself and embrace my own inner beauty, then I'll be confident and I'll, I'll be a good witness for Christ. I had no reason to question that. And yet I did feel that no matter how much I tried to build up my self-esteem, I always still felt insecure. Youth leaders and well-meaning Christians were constantly telling me that to overcome insecurity, I should just f focus on my own inner beauty and goodness and protect my sense of self. 
But later in my life, as I really looked at this issue in God's word and really went to the Bible and said, okay, Lord, what do you say about this issue of building up self and self-esteem and focusing on self? And I realized as I got into the word of God that the self-esteem message was actually in direct conflict with Christ's clear message of self-denial. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And deny there actually means to forget oneself, to lose sight of yourself and your own interests. And so the trendy message is to build up your own self-esteem, but God's message is deny yourself and follow me. Now, of course, we still have value on our life. We still recognize that we are valuable to God, so valuable that he gave his very son to rescue and redeem us, but we are not to look for worth and beauty and value outside of him. We aren't to look to our own resources, our own inner anything to find beauty, but only to him. And so that's one example of a trendy but unbiblical message that is very popular in the church today. Another one is this, Christian women need more honesty and authenticity in their relationships with each other. That is a very popular message we're hearing everywhere. Now, there's some truth to this. We certainly shouldn't be putting on a false front with each other or being hypocritical in our lives. But at the same time, I believe the concept of honesty and authenticity can quickly become an excuse to just exalt our own emotions and throw our discretion to the wind in what we share with other people. We think that we're being honest when in reality, oftentimes we're just griping, complaining, and venting our frustrations. And we think, well, this is so healthy and good because I'm being honest and I'm being authentic. This is happening everywhere on social media and the women's tendency to just post whatever personal intimate struggle you may be going through or vent and rant about your frustrations and your anger and your irritations and you're putting it out there for all the world to see and it's often applauded like thank you for being real thank you for being honest but in reality you're glorifying something very fleshly and not Christ honoring God's message is different he says not just focus on venting your thoughts and emotions and frustrations with each other but to be discreet to be honorable to be edifying and to be Christ focused with your words Let's just look at a few scriptures here. Proverbs eleven twenty two says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. So what is often left out in these big speeches about we need to be open and honest and authentic is the fact that we also need to have discretion in what we share. We are not to just share every thought, every emotion, every struggle for all the world to see under the banner of being honest. We need to have godly discretion. And we'll probably do a whole nother podcast on what discretion really means. But you can see how contradictory this is to the word of God. Uh, Ephesians 429 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So you see how God is exhorting us to weigh and measure every word that we speak and to not just focus on ourselves. I just need to get this off my chest. I just need to get this out there. But looking at what is good for necessary edification to the people around us. So it's being outward focused and building up other people with our words. Words, not just spewing our thoughts and our emotions. 
Philippians 4.8 gives us the list of what we are supposed to be meditating on, what things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. And if we're supposed to be meditating on these things, we're also supposed to be speaking about these things and writing about these things. It doesn't change. You know, suddenly it's like, well, I'm meditating on these things that are right and pure, but I can write and post the complete opposite of that. If you're going to be meditating on things that are noble, right, virtuous, and pure, that's what's going to come out in your social media posts, in your conversations with other people. And then James 3, 2 says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So how important it is in God's pattern to control our tongue, not to just speak whatever we want to speak, but to weigh every word in light of eternity. That does not negate the concept of being honest and authentic and open, but doing so with discretion, with nobility, with honor, and with godly edification. Now, one question that may come up as I'm talking about this is, well, who do I pour my heart out to if I'm not dumping my emotions on social media or venting all my frustration? to my friends because so many women today, that's what they do. It's like that's their emotional outlet. And what it says in Psalm 62, 8 is so simple and so beautiful. Trust in him, meaning God, at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So simple, but often we think, well, I can't pour out my heart to God. You know, I need to pour out my heart on social media. I can't pour out my heart to God. I need to get together for coffee with some of my friends and pour out my heart before them. But God says he is to be our first turn. It doesn't mean that we won't ever go to another person for encouragement or counsel or perspective, but that God is to be our first turn in who we pour our heart out to. Let's look at another trendy message that is out there today, and that is one that says it is better to dialogue and converse about truth instead of to listen to someone preach. After all, everyone's opinion and perspective is equally valid. And so instead of that good old-fashioned preaching that we had for so many generations in Christianity, the trendy thing now is to just get together in groups and just share our own thoughts, our ideas, our opinions, and our perspective when it comes to Christian living. And oftentimes, while while community is important in the body of Christ and fellowship is important, oftentimes in this trend, when you have this mentality, you also have the mentality that no one is right, no one is wrong. We're just gathering together to just love, accept, and listen to each other. And so as a result of that, we often start basing our Christian beliefs on either our own experience or on the experience of others rather than simply taking what the Bible says and believing it. And the internet has made this whole problem worse because if somebody can just write an interesting philosophical eloquent blog, you know, they may be 18 or 19 or 20 and have very little spiritual depth, but if it's said well and it's marketed well online, that can be taken more seriously spiritually by Christians as a biblically-based sermon that is preached by a veteran follower of God. So we have to be very careful. Definitely talking about truth and getting together and fellowshipping with each other is important, but when we have this idea that you know preaching is out, we don't need to listen to someone preach about right and wrong. We just all need to share our own unique perspective, and no one's really right and no one's really wrong, that's when we're really veering away from the biblical pattern. God's message is this. There is only one opinion that is right, and that is God's. 
So unless we agree with God's opinion, our own opinion is worthless. It is. It may sound good. We may be able to wax eloquent about it. But if it doesn't agree with God's opinion, it really has no value. God does use bold, uncompromising preaching to win souls for eternity, not soupy, mushy dialogue where no one is right and no one is wrong. Now, he can also use relationships. He can use fellowship. He can use uh, more casual conversations. He doesn't only use preaching to reach someone for eternity. But we shouldn't throw out the concept of preaching or listening to someone just boldly speak truth rather than feeling like, oh, we just, unless we're getting together and just dialoguing about it, then it's it's not good. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. And we've really veered away from that in the modern church today. It's that God's opinion is about on the same level as our opinion, and that is not how it should be. 1 Corinthians one twenty five says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So those three trends are things that we could go into much more deeply, but just to give you a little taste of how we need to be grounded in the Word of God, because otherwise we can quickly get caught up in these trends and think that these this is truth. You know, it's being said in a new and fresh way, and it resonates with where our culture's at, so it must be truth. But if we don't know, if we don't know God's Word, we'll be swept away by these things, and we'll be taken off course in our Christian life. There's a few other possibilities. Uh, popular trendy messages today. One is the importance of being yourself boldly. It's so important to be you and be be you boldly and be who you are. And we dealt with that in a previous podcast called The Right Way to Be Yourself. But that's another example of how we need to be grounded in God's word or we will be carried away with these subtly twisted messages. So I want to give you some practical steps for making God's word your lifeline. First of all, set aside time every day, not for just casually reading your Bible, but for proactively studying the scriptures and letting them shape your thoughts and your beliefs. If you come to a verse or a word that you don't understand, then use study tools like a concordance or uh, a resource like blueletterbible.org to unearth the true meaning of those words that you are reading and the context in which they're written. Take time to memorize larger portions of scripture and meditate on them often. You can play an audio Bible like Word of Promise in the background as you're driving or maybe doing tasks around the house, but immerse yourself in God's word as often as you possibly can. And whenever new thoughts or ideas or messages are presented to you, no matter how good or spiritual they sound, learn to weigh them against the word of God that you have hidden in your heart. Before you nod along with other Christians, ideas, stop and ask yourself some key questions. First, does this message agree with the truth of scripture? Not just on some points, but in its entirety. Do these thoughts and ideas align with God's nature and character? If you're unsure, then take some time to seek answers in God's word. I remember reading the story of David Wilkerson when he first began to work with the gang members in New York City, and his book, The Cross and the Switchblade, details that story. But when some of these young gang members first heard the gospel, he gave them 
a King James Bible and they took it back to their wherever they were staying and they read some of them read the King James Bible all night long and these these were kids who were like 13, 14 and 15 years old had never even really sat down and read much of anything and yet because the word of God is so powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword that King James Bible got directly to their soul and they completely changed and were redeemed such a powerful story to realize that just simply through reading the Bible, that type of transformation can take place. So some final thoughts that I want to share. If you find yourself evaluating messages and ideas based on how they make you feel, or maybe picking and choosing your truth based on your own personal preferences, you are lacking in true discernment. So instead of asking, how do I feel about this? I encourage you to begin asking a totally different question. What does God say about this? And if you read Psalm 119 and learn to really delight in the perfect law of God, just as the psalmist did, you will really begin to hunger and thirst for more and more of his word. Remember, he has not made his truth obscure and hard to find. His word promises that if we diligently seek his wisdom, we will find it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more on this topic, please visit setapartgirl.com and especially the article, The Lost Art of Godly Discernment, available in the February-March 2017 magazine issue. Also, I'll be going deeper into this topic at our upcoming 2017 Set Apart Conference on May 26th and 27th. So I hope you're planning to join us in person or via simulcast. And remember, you can stream the simulcast up to three months after the event. So please visit setapartgirl.com for more details. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.